0: Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All
1: right, folks, happy hump day. It's Wednesday. uh, Friday's on the horizon. You can see Saturday if you stand on a ladder. My job is to get you through the week, get you to the weekend so that you have uh, breath in the lungs, a little bit of sanity left, and information on how to deal with a lot of the communism that is attacking our nation right now. And and that's what it is. We need to quit calling it uh, fascism and socialism. Uh, It is Marxism slash communism. And we need to address it that way. And we need to fight it that way. And I don't care uh, what side supports it, whether they call themselves progressive, liberal, Democrat, Republican. Uh, there, There are those out there that claim that go through. We need to go through because there's a lot that's under attack right now. And a lot of our freedoms are under attack. And the great thing is there's nothing that's out there that cannot be retained, regained, and controlled. But you have to be able to have a sensible conversation with those that are in charge of making the rules. That's part of the problem right now. Part of the problem is we have people, Democrats and liberals will go on one set of talk shows, Republicans and conservatives will go to another talk, and, and the twains don't meet. We're not coming together and talking. That's one of the things I try to get away from. I try to have all different voices and all different opinions, whether I agree with them or not on both this show and the show that I do on Friday on iHeart. doesn't always work that way. Sometimes they figure out you're leaning. And they, well, you're just going to make a fool of me, and I don't want to come on your show. I, I don't do that to people. If, I, if, if AOC was going to call into my show, as much as I feed from the trough that is her political faux pas, I would show her the utmost respect, ask her the same questions I'd ask a Republican, and give her the same type of response. If she gives me a softball answer, I'm going to come back and go at them. So that's the problem. We've got to talk. And if we don't talk as a nation, well, we're going to end up shooting each other. So it's either talk or fight. And I think most people would rather talk. So let's start having these conversations. I'm going to arm you with information that you can have a conversation with. If you're on the conservative side and you want to talk with someone on the other side and you want it where they don't have to duct tape their head together to keep them from exploding, because a lot of times it does. You have to have solid information. You have to have facts that they can't dispute. Now, sometimes smoke comes out of their ears. But if you get someone that's really smart on the liberal side, they'll listen. They may not like the answer. They may not like the topic. And they may not admit it the first time around. But if you get inside their psyche, if you can live rent-free inside their brain, as, for example, President Trump does. President Trump lives inside liberals' brains right now. 24-7, 24-7, and drives them nuts. When you have achieved that, you've achieved greatness. But you don't have to do it from a perspective of, of haunting. You can do it from a perspective of information. And that's what we're going to talk about today when we talk about cars and climate change. See, cars, I, I do a lot of, sh- um, the Friday show I do, we, we do a tremendous amount on the automobile sector. I really haven't touched it on this show for a reason because I do it on a Friday show. But the reality is the automobile industry, if you look at the the U.S. and you look at the freedoms we offer, you really can't help but think about the freedom granted by the car. How many things can you actually go in, turn a key, get in, sit beside, and just drive? You can drive until you run out of gas. You can drive until you run out of money. No one's going to stop you. You can have a two-door car, four-door car, a pickup truck. A diesel, you got all forms of things that you can drive and be free. That's important. Freedom is what our nation is about. And right now, there is an underground movement in the context of what's called infrastructure spending, which is trying to issue in the Green New Deal, which is trying to change the way that we use energy. And it is based upon a lie, what I call the climate lie. And if you've been listening to the show for the past couple of months, I've had several Shows specific to these lies. Uh, green by any means, the energy debate. And a few weeks ago, I had a gentleman from uh, the CO2 coalition, Mr. Gregory Wrightstone, who points out the science behind the climate lie. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's what this is. It's a lie. But right now, the basis of a lot, what they're saying, a lot of this spending's got to be, is they're going around one of the last bastions of freedom, the car. Whether that car's here in the United States or, where, or whether it's overseas, there's a tremendous effort to take the car and make the electrification of cars the primary source of driving. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not against electric technology. I'm not against electric cars. What I'm against is the government force-feeding a new technology or an unproven technology or a unmarketable technology to the public and use my tax dollars to do it. If you, want, if you forget how recently that's been a boondoggle, I would take you to the Obama era first term and this company called Solyndra. Uh, go look at what that boondoggle was. That's what happens when the federal government or state government or any government, instead of being the referee setting the rules and letting the free market be the players, they decide to be the players. Right now, that's 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 kind of happening. Um, there's a song put out by the rock group Rush called Red Barchetta. Um, if, if you're, if you're a rush geek, you know what it is. And if you're not, I encourage you to look it up and I encourage you to play the song. Part of the song talks about a motor law and an old car that's been kept and preserved. In other words, it's indicating that the current set of affairs in that person's lifetime, you don't have the freedom of a car. Because of a motor law. Now, we don't know what that motor law means. We don't know if it means you can't drive anything unless it's electric. We don't know if it means you can't drive anything unless it's two wheels, four wheels. We don't know. We just know there was something that's come out that's impeded that freedom. And right now, that's what they're trying to do. And see, the car, not only is it a last bastion of freedom, it's a culture in the United States. Cars are in our culture. If you look at it, the Fords and the Dodges, when they started coming out with the cars back at the uh, in the 18th, excuse me, in the early 19th century, okay? And they were putting those cars out. They started transforming not only America, not only the middle class, but really the world. Not only just through the industrialization of the factory process, but making something that was affordable that everybody could have. It replaced, it became the new technology, replaced the horse and buggy. It gave wages where a middle class was born from it. Now, I will tell you, the automobile industry, and it's, a, it's the largest employer globally right now, just so you know, has not been without its black eyes. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you go back and you look at the labor struggles of what originally had, Mr. Ford, he wasn't for paying people a lot of money. You know, he felt he was paying a fair wage, and the ones that were working for him didn't think he was paying a fair wage. It took unionizations over f- several decades to bring labor up to standards that built the middle class. People forget. We used to have child labor. By the way, for those of you that like to buy things like, oh, I don't know, Nike, um, that's still being used with child labor. How do you feel about that now? So those labor laws were changed so that we could build something. And And the American car was behind it. We spent at the time billions and billions of dollars to build a highway system so that we could move goods and services so that people could go out and recreate. The car is the last bastion of freedom. In the United States, some of the other black guys that came with it, though, that were a problem. Well, air pollution was one. Uh, for a long time, the emissions were not controlled, and yeah, there was a problem there. I I grew up in an era when I remember what air pollution was. I also remember when the EPA came out and, rightfully so, made some changes and said, "Hey, guys, we got to make some changes to this, or we're going to choke in our own dust." Thus, you had the introduction of the catalytic converter. Now, for those of you right now that are probably the millennials, you're going catalytic what? What? Catalytic converter was a way to come out and basically recycle uh, the pollution that was coming out of the headers of a motor. And I'm probably some of you going, well, you talking talking motor. I don't talk motor. Well, you need to learn to talk a little motor because it's your freedom. Uh, if you're doing nothing but commuting back and forth and you haven't went on a family trip, shame on you and change that. America's got a great system of highways, even though it needs some repair. We got a lot of monuments and landmarks you need to get out and go see and you can do it. the freedom of the car. Guess what? No one can tell you to wear a mask. If you're stupid enough to wear a mask in your car while you're driving, if you're one of those listening to this, shame on you. Don't be a dummy. But you can be free inside that car. But that's changing, okay? As I said, pollution was an issue, but they solved it. But then we had, I don't know, this little thing called the... uh, Oil embargo in the early 70s, that came out, that killed gas guzzlers, which was all we were cranking at that time. And uh, some of our foreign counterparts came in and and cleaned our clock, made more fuel efficient cars available. Now, this is where there was an opportunity missed by our Congress to not protect our industry and say, you better get out there and make something better. They did respond in 1975, came out with what was called the CAFE standards or corporate average fuel economy. And that was a way to reduce energy consumption, okay, because they didn't like importing foreign oil those standards change every year now the cafe standards over time were designed to reduce reliance on foreign oil and that's become a rallying cry by far liberal nut jobs that say no it's not enough anymore uh, unless you're doing a hundred miles per hour, 100 miles per gallon we don't even want you pulling fossil fuels out of the ground again I want you to go to the previous segments I've had on the climate life, for that. I don't want to repeat myself on this show. So they don't even want to have that discussion anymore. So some of the CAFE standards that are coming out now are are basically on the borderline of insane because at the end of the day, the real topic that they're talking about is emissions, pollution. If you're driving a new car right now, if you go turn that motor on and warm it up and you go look at the tailpipe, you know what you're going to see coming out of it? Nada. It's gum near water vapor of what's coming out of emissions. Now, diesel trucks, they're not there yet. They're making improvements, but they're not there yet. So climate change, or as I call it, the climate lie it's driving the direction of cars. And so we're going to take a quick break and we get back. We're going to talk about some of those things that is changing and how it's looking to change your life behind the wheel. You're listening to the Information Edge Podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. Today we're talking about cars and climate change. We're going to pay a few bills and we'll be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carroll, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
3: Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
2: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
0: You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I'm your host, Darren Yancey, and today we're talking cars and climate change. Now, you might go, well, Darren, why are you bringing up this subject? this why, why am I listening to this? Well, let me tell you why. There are multiple bills going through the United States Congress. Some are um, outright infrastructure bills, some are highway funding bills, some are budgets for the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Some are reconciliation. Um, in tune, there is about almost four trillion dollars of spending. That's what trillions with a T, by the way, okay, not a B of various forms of infrastructure, and a big chunk of those bills don't have a damn thing to do with infrastructure, okay? A lot of it has to do with, for example, well, let me let me rephrase that. A lot of it has nothing to do with traditional infrastructure as far as roads and bridges and ports and things of that nature. What is a big chunk of it is a rollout of, of the Green New Deal, the rollout of, different technologies to fund the electrification of the grid because what you're being told right now is that if you don't change how we drive, if you don't change how you power your house, your business, and everything else is that the world's going to come to end by 2030. That's the biggest bunch of nonsense in, in, out there, but unfortunately, there's nut jobs in the government that are pushing it, and you got nut jobs in the media that are parroting it and the general public is not doing their research and they're going, oh, well, gosh, I guess we better do this. Just I guess we better just follow on or we're just going to kill the planet. And we don't want to do that. It's garbage. It's a lie. But I'm going to spell out all of it for you. So when you're talking with someone that either A is in a position of influence or just someone that you'd like to be able to have a conversation with, but they're not seeing eye to eye, you've got the information. So let's talk about the first thing. In the electrification of vehicles, cars, if we're going to get away from what's called the internal combustion engine or an ICE car, as I'll call it, to go to an electronic vehicle or an EV, as I'll call it. And by the way, that could be car or truck. You need to know what the realities are in the process, because if we spend all these trillions of dollars, do we get the product that we're supposed to get? There's the real question. And can it work? In other words, all this stuff that they're ramming down your throat, if, if you go, okay, I, I i believe that this is a, pro, a, a problem with the planet, and by God, I'm signing on to this BS, and, and I'm just going to spend all this money. Well, what do I get in return? If you watch any of the hearings right now, and you listen to Senator Kennedy out of Louisiana, he asks a lot of these questions, and they're basically sitting the there. They're going, they can't give an answer. If they can't give an answer, don't pass the bill. But there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on this. So let's get, let's ask some basic questions. Let's address that 8,000-pound elephant, or in this case, 8,000-pound car, in the room, which, by the way, if you're buying an electric car, it is a heavier car, just so you know. So let's talk about the first question. If everything, if we snapped our fingers and went, voila, and every vehicle out there was an electric vehicle when you woke up in the morning, can the current infrastructure in the United States or in the globe for that matter, power every one of those cars? It's a good question. If you're not asking it, you should be. And the answer is, is absolutely not. There is no way that the current grid in America or around the globe could power a transformation of electric vehicles overnight. It cannot do it. Now, <clears throat> if you're a liberal and right now you're getting the duct tape and you're putting it around your hair going, no, 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 He's wrong. I just, I just can't buy this. Well, I'm going to give you some more bad information. Okay. Right now, when you plug that electric car in, it's going to your house and that house has a 60% chance That it is being powered by a coal or gas fired plant. Why? Because that's the majority of plants around the United States and the world. 20% is nuclear, 20% is renewables. If you've listened to the past shows on this, you know what the percentages are on going through. So what that means is you may feel good by plugging that car in, but by the way, you're not doing anything to improve the environment. Now, if those plants are energy inefficient, if they're doing carbon capture, if they're doing everything, that's great. But if you're just feeling better because you think plugging in is somehow helping the planet, you're a moron. Don't be a moron. Get educated. Now, if you get all the facts and you still want to buy an EV car just because you want one, that's great. I don't have a problem with it. I think Tesla makes a great product. I like the Chevy Volt, but there's reasons I won't own them. And we're going to get into that. So the reality is you're going to the same source that powers all of the current buildings, that powers all the current factories, that powers all the gizmos and and whiz bangs around the world. There is not enough energy to get it done. Plus, do you even know what the kilowatt cost per hour is to power your EV? I don't think anybody has that answer. I wish I had it. I'm trying to find it. I've seen some answers that I'm not comfortable with throwing out there. But the reality is when you plug that car in, it's not free. If you looked at your electric bill before you got an electric car of what your normal was, and then now that you have an electric car, whatever that differential is, that cost, if you divide it by the number of hours you spent charging, that's your cost per kilowatt hour. Have you done that? Okay. People don't understand that. Did you know, (laughs) a couple of weeks ago, uh, because of the current electrical system grid that they have in California, which they have, they shut off their nuclear back in 201. They're predominantly renewable through most of the states. They haven't allowed PG&E to upgrade the infrastructure. That's one of the reasons they had all the fires a couple of years ago. And they're having rolling brownouts because of the problems with getting the electric, excuse me, the power generated. By the solar renewable through the transmission lines to a useful source. So what are they telling people now? Don't plug in your electric cars. We need the power for the grid. If you don't feel like a shaved guinea right now, you should. These these are things they're not telling you. Do you think that's going to get any better if you snap your fingers and tomorrow everything's electric? What happens if you can't plug in your electric car? Oh, hope you got a pony or a bicycle because you're going to be without transportation. It is a problem. So here's the next question. If we go, okay, Darren, we're going to concede to you. There's not enough power to go EV for everything right now. How do we get the power? Can we get the power? It's a logical question. That answer is not so easy. And the reason is it depends on the political point of view that it's coming from. You see, the problem with cars now is emissions and, and politics have become an integral part of the automotive industry. Now labor has always been out there labor and management. They're going to have their tussles material. That's all going to be, that's just part of the industry. But now we're like, well, we must have emissions down. We must go to this zero carbon footprint, which by the way, if we actually have a zero carbon footprint, um, there's a point that you go below on parts per million where there's not enough carbon in the air that the plants cannot make oxygen. And guess what? We die. Nobody talks about that. I talk about it on this program because I'm tired of the lies. But let's assume we say, OK, we're going to buy into this BS and we want to keep the footprint somewhat reasonable, whatever. How do we get more power? Well, let's I've done this in the energy debate and I've done it in green for many means is what does it take to increase the power? Well, if you're going from a standpoint of let's just augment the power, we don't want to wipe out what we've got. You've got multiple choices. You could increase your coal fired plants right now. There's a liberal crying and you could do carbon capture on them. So they don't pollute. You could increase your gas fired plants. You could even increase nuclear And you could probably meet an EV demand. Renewables, it's going to be very, very difficult under current technology. I know there's people out there say, oh, well, we can build park size and, uh, you know, forest park size, uh, solar panels and wind. Folks, it's not going to happen. The land applications for solar and wind simply are not there. Geothermal, it's not there. And if you're looking at hydro, again, it's got to be it's got to be a place where you got moving water with enough speed. So renewables, you want to get probably as much as you can, maybe another 10 percent. But it's just not going to be the global provision of power that you're being told that it will be. It's just not realistic. And then you got to look at, okay, what if you're one of these kooks out there that says, well, we don't want to supplement the power. We want fossil fuels gone, and we want our EVs powered electrically, renewably, non-fossil fuel-wise. Well, first off, I'd like to know what prescription of peyote you've got, because maybe you need to share it. Sounds like it's a pretty good prescription. But the reality of the situation is, what that means is, let's talk turkey. If you're one of those that says, well, we just, we just can't have fossil fuels. We just can't have coal plants. And we just, even though we've got the world's largest supply, we just can't have gas-fired plants, even though we've got the fifth largest supply. Uh, we just can't have them. Okay, moron. If you're one of those, 60% of the energy produced in the United States and globally comes from those. What you going to replace it with? It's not renewables. It's simply not renewables. Is it nuclear? Well, maybe. Maybe. There's new technology coming out. You got smaller reactors. You, they can come out and do deployment, supposedly in a much shorter period of time. I don't have the cost down. I've got to guess that's going to be coming on my Friday show. We're going to be talking about that. But then you got a problem with nuclear in that you got to have fissionable material, another stuff that becomes nuclear that actually makes the energy charge. Okay, uranium. Well, who controls most of the uranium? It's not the United States. So if you go down the nuclear road, are you actually going to have control over your energy supply? So if you don't have control over your energy supply, maybe one of these, you still get a call. Well, I know we've got all these nuclear plants and we were supposed to be able to power everything, but Canada went up on the, the, the reactor material by 700%. And we can't afford anymore. Y'all can't plug in your electric cars today. Hope you kept your horse and buggy around because you're going to need it right now. Don't think that conversation can occur? Think again. All right, folks, we're up against a hard break. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We're going to pay a few bills, stretch our legs, take a drink of tea, and we'll be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
3: Decide that you have something to say and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge. Today, we're talking about cars and climate change. And I guess we've got some people in California listening in. Um, I got to share this one and we'll just. We'll call her Karen. Uh, Mr. Yancey, I've been listening to your Friday show for the past few years, tuned into your podcast, enjoy it. However, your current <clears throat> stance on electric vehicles is wrong. Not only can we produce the power that we need for the electric vehicles, we've got the necessary battery storage, Um Okay, we've got the necessary battery storage available for backup. Uh, We won't be raping the land, and you need to rescind your product on that. I'm not going to name her specifically, but she's out of Pomona. Um, Karen, send me your reference material, okay? Because I can tell you right now it's wrong. The reference material I'm bringing from is from the… U.S. Department of Energy Administration in terms of the statistics of how much kilowatt hours in gigawatts that we produce as a nation and from the International Energy Association of what is produced globally in each sector, okay? And those sectors produce the sufficient amount of power to power existing applications. There is no surplus energy on the grid, okay? In other words, when they produce it, it is already used. They produce enough. They do not produce a surplus. that sits anywhere. Uh, If you've got someone saying that they are, send me the link. I'll contact them and get them on the show, and we'll talk to them about it. But as far as the storage technology you're talking about, you're talking for wind or solar applications where they can store some excess power on a limited basis. The problem is, depending on the distance between where the application is and the KV lines or what's called the transmission lines, to the hub source that actually puts it on the grid, you lose a percentage of it. For example, in West Texas, we've got a lot of wind turbines out there that produce wind energy. It is a statistical fact that the energy that's produced by the time it hits the, the hub in uh, either Amarillo or in, for example, say Abilene, Brownwood, or Dallas-Fort Worth, it's lost a minimum of 30% of the effectiveness of the power, just simply because of transmission lights. So if someone's telling you that right now we could snap our fingers and go all electric, it's simply a lie. It's not there. As far as, uh, now I've got Terry out of, what is this? Bakersfield. That is basically saying that uh, I am wrong. Okay, hold on. Terry agrees that we don't have enough energy. Terry disagrees that we can't produce enough renewable energy, showing the state of California as an example. Well, Terry, let's talk about the state of California, okay? Okay. Let's go back and look at the last 20 years in what California's done. They have effectively, they've shut down the San Sanofro uh, nuclear power plant that they had open. I want to say either in 2001 or 2002, uh, that was a thousand megawatts consistently. They've tried to replace it with other renewable applications. They have not been able to produce it. because if you go back and you look at the statistics of the reliability and availability of power, Prior to the closing of that nuclear plant, and you look at the number of blackouts that have occurred after that, you will notice they are post-nuclear plant closing. Okay? So they're not they didn't replace the power that they gave up with renewable energy. They replaced some power, but they didn't replace all of it. That's why you have the continual blackouts. Also go back and look at the cost of what they're paying for their electricity now. California is among some of the highest rates in the nation. Take a look at what they were paying in up to 2002 and find out what they're paying today. It's almost double. So not only do they have less power, but the power that they have has cost them more. Texas is another example. Um, We have shut down a significant number of coal-fired plants in the last 10 years that we've tried to supplement with wind energy. Problem is, haven't done it. Uh, And that goes back to a different administration uh, when we had some Democrats in charge of energy uh, committees and there were policies that went through. It's horrible policies. And it culminated with a disaster in February of this year. And anybody that wants to challenge what I'm saying on this, you can give us a call. uh, 866-472-5788. You can call in because I'm telling you right now, Texas has given up more coal fired plants and we're trying to stop that. Uh, than they should have, because the reality is we shouldn't have given up any of them. You could have put a carbon caption system on every one of those plants, save the plants, save the jobs, continue to improve the coal industry, and you're not going to have any emissions that are going to be negligible in the environment. You simply aren't. So, sorry, folks, uh, nice try, but it's not going to work. The reality is nuclear is a possibility. But to get rid of coal when it's the largest largest energy supply we have or natural gas when it's the fifth largest that are right there, to look at nuclear when we don't have control over fissionable control- material, that's a risk. That's a risk. And you got to ask, is it one that you want to go through? So we got a little off track there. Wanted to answer those because they came in and uh, I felt it was something that we want to do. So let's continue the conversation. We've talked about increasing the power Um You know what the possibilities are there. Let's talk about some other things with EVs because more and more, we're finally getting some voices that are coming out that I don't want to say they're anti-electric, okay? I don't want to say they're anti-renewable, but they're putting forth facts that make these tremendous spending bills that are coming down the pike. You have to look at them. You have to look at them with an educated eye. You cannot just give them carte blanche, okay? So, let's talk about some of the things that are issues with EVs. One of them is environmental. Now, if you go to my website today, informationedge.net, and you go to the blog, I've got cars and climate change, you're going to see some photographs that are going to make you happy. One of them is a mining pit, uh, a cobalt mining pit, and cobalt is your primary source that the batteries for these cars run on. And a lot of folks don't understand in parts of the world, like, for example, in Africa and the Congo, where they mine a lot of cobalt. Do you know they do it with child slave labor? That's right. Where are the Democrat Party outrage coming against this? These are predominantly young black kids, Africans, and they're using them as slaves, not in America but in Africa, in the Congo, to mine the cobalt for your electric vehicle battery. How good do you feel about it now? So that's a problem. That's a problem. Go to my site. You're going to see a picture of it. So let's talk about some facts. Here's the fact. Making electric vehicles or EVs generates more carbon than the internal combustion engine Due to the extraction and processing of minerals in the batteries and in the production of power cells. That's a fact. That is an indisputable fact. You cannot argue with it. If you are arguing with it, you're one of these babbling idiots. Okay. Um, I've got a link on this article actually goes to um, it's oilprice.com. It's part of the article Zero Hedge did. And they did basically – a a study. How long does it take for an electric vehicle to catch up to an internal combustion engine? When you factor all the stuff that goes into it, um, they're talking about how long the car has to last. Obviously, depending on where you're at can impact the results. For example, if you're in a country like the United States, we get more of our power for fossil fuels. It's going to take longer to go through you're in a country like Norway where it's a smaller population, they rely more on hydro, you can get a ROI faster. So depending on where you're at is going to shape this. But the reality is it takes about 12 years of driving an electric vehicle to offset the carbon em- uh, footprint that you're doing from the manufacture, process, and construction of the car. In other words, you're not doing a damn thing for the environment. But you're being told you are. And it's part of the climate lie. See, the reality of the situation is, (laughs) here's the other big problem. Is there an electric vehicle out there right now that's even lasted 12 years? Go look at some of the issues that Tesla has had. Look, Elon builds a great product, okay? But Elon's had a product with a lot of problems, He's had just as many recalls as other manufacturers. He's just given better press about it. So the question is, is your electric vehicle even going to last long enough where it actually has a negative effect on your carbon footprint? I don't know, but I think there's probably a good argument that says "Mm, no. Is this something that you see being pushed in the infrastructure bills? No. Do they talk about the ugly environmental and let's be honest, humanitarian impact going on right now in electric vehicles? I promise you, if they started going to these mines in the Congo that are mining cobalt, and if they started showing these young black Africans, who are enslaved doing what they're having to do for God knows what type of compensation. And they ran it 24 seven for three days. You'd have the world in arms and people would start to actually question as to whether or not electric vehicles are the path to go. But right now they've got political protection because there's another agenda at stake here, folks. I've went and looked at, and all these these series that I've done, I've looked at, well, we've got all these coal resources, we've got all these natural gas resources, why are we getting rid of them? And the conclusion is clear. It has nothing to do with climate change. It has to do with the control of energy. That's why you're being lied to about the environmental impact on EVs. That's why you're being lied to about the slave labor that's being used in parts of the world to produce these components, because they don't want that political snafu out there to ruin what they're trying to put together, which is a change in the control and distribution of energy. Stop and think about it. If they go through with all this, you think you're going to be able to use energy like you can now? Are you going to have the freedom? Are you going to have to ask for it? We'll talk about that more on the next segment. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey, your host. We're on the Voice America Radio Network. We'll be right back.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice
3: America. and find your frequency live fridays at 12 noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel
5: tune in to the patricia raskin show on VoiceAmerica.com every monday at 2 p.m eastern time and 11 a.m pacific time This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award winning, powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
0: To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to the final segment of the Information Edge podcast. Today, we're talking cars and climate change. And if you want to be a part of the discussion, 866-472-5788. Again, part of the discussion we don't shout and we don't use profanities. Um, I, I haven't used your real name, Karen. I'd love for you to call in. We'd have a great discussion. Um, and I, I'm being a smart ass and you know that. And I hope you've got a good sense of humor. My point to the last segment in terms of cars being in the market for 12 years on electric vehicles, um, if you keep up with what's happening, you know, brother Elon wants to have the, your Tesla's electric and autonomous too. They've had problems with the autonomous, but they're also having some problems with their electronics. Uh, Just the other day, Tesla Model S Plaid caught fire in Pennsylvania, briefly trapping the driver inside. Uh, It was a marshmallow. So it's not the first time it's happened. My point is these vehicles are not at a point in the marketplace where they've been out long enough, where they've been tested long enough, where you can make a decision on is this how you want to surround your infrastructure? I'm not saying that they won't be one day. I'm saying as we talk here today, they're not. Okay. So let's talk about, well, are are there some other issues? I need? You you, you got me thinking now, Darren, what else is there out there that's under the rock? Well, let's talk about some other costs. And costs are not necessarily always dollars and cents out of your pocket, but other costs. Okay. Uncle Sam currently gives out $7,500 in rebates for electric vehicles. Okay, that's whether you're buying a Volt, whether you're buying a hybrid, or whether you're buying a Tesla. Here's the problem. That's number one. Oh, they're asking to take it to 12500 just so you know. The demographic of the average electric vehicle buyer, a spe- uh, specifically a Tesla, is over 150000 The average demographic of an electric vehicle buyer or a hybrid buyer is in excess of six figures. They don't need our tax money is what I'm getting at. Okay. Oh, and just so you know, everybody's thinking, oh my God, we're selling all these electric cars and all, oh, it's just going. Oh, we we, got to make all this infrastructure for all these electric cars. Electric cars currently make up less than 3% of the overall US vehicle market in relation to new sales on an annual basis. Less than 3%. That means 97% plus of the US driving market likes the internal combustion engine. They like it. Okay? So I just want you to understand where the market is. It's not half drive electric cars and we, well, we just got to make it better for that half. We're talking we're talking making trillion dollar decisions for something that is less than 3% of the marketplace. Let that sink in. Okay? especially when we're talking a $30 trillion deficit, by the way, okay? And when you got to also remember this, if you're driving an internal combustion engine car, when you pull up to the pump, you pay taxes on your gas that go towards the road and bridge fund. Granted, it needs more money, but if you're not using that, if you're doing an electric, you are not contributing to the infrastructure, You're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Oh, my God. Did I just use hard words on someone? (laughs) I I feel somebody crying now, and I don't care because it gets worse. Right now, over 20% of the EVs that have been purchased in the last five years are being traded in. What's the big issue? Charging infrastructure is part of it. Okay, They're, They're not having, don't like the way that they can't find it. The other is battery time in the field. Okay. there's only so much performance you can use. And here's what folks have to understand is that electric vehicles currently in the marketplace may or may not fit your lifestyle. They're trying to make them come into the trucking industry to start replacing large trucks. It's not going to happen. Part of what Mr. Biden wants to do is to spend over a half a trillion dollars to put over 500,000 charging stations out there. Has anybody really thought this through? If it takes 12 hours to charge a car, do you really want to pull off the highway to have your car charged for 12 hours? What happens you get mugged? What happens if they change the way the amperage is done? In other words, it's not going to take 12 hours. They come up with some miracle thing and they could charge your car in three hours or let's say they get it down to an hour. Ooh, what's that going to do to your battery? You think those supercharging situations are good for your battery? If you've got any battery power tools, and I do, and by the way, I love them. You know what happens when you overcharge them? They turn to crap. They quit working. Do you know what the average cost is as of March of this year to replace an electric car battery is? It's 5500 freaking dollars. Yeah. Think about that. Oh, by the way, insurance is also higher. Why? Because (laughs) $5,500 batteries, uh, parts are more expensive on these cars. So before you go buy one, you better be sure you talk with your local agent. Otherwise, you might want to hold your breath on that first insurance bill. And here's another thing that nobody talks about. If we snap our fingers and we go away from the internal combustion engine and we go to the electric vehicle, what is the economic impact to the jobs infrastructure that supports the automobile industry, the trucking industry, and all of the related servicing industries, technicians, people that make specialty parts, okay? All those things that you have that currently make those. There's there's millions of jobs, over 750,000 technicians alone, but there's over 2 million jobs created by the automobile sector in the United States alone. I'm including trucking. I'm including all these parts and services that are around the internal combustion engine. What happens when you take that away? Do they go build solar panels? How much do you give them unemployment? For how long? And what happens when those millions of people that had jobs suddenly don't? You want to talk about an insurrection? You want to talk about anarchy? You want to talk about blood on your hands? That's where this can lead. It's a climate lie. Don't get hosed on it. Okay? The trillions that are being proposed to be spent must stop. Now, I personally think the U.S. House is a lost cause right now until 2022 because everything that's that's being proposed is being passed, just like crap through a goose. Um, the Senate's another matter. There's a few people. Um, Kristen Sinema is one. Mark Warner, um, possibly. I'm not going to name more names. I don't. I'm not sure. But there are some potential Democrats on the Senate side that may not go with this with infrastructure on this limit they'll go with infrastructure mansion may be one of them although he's he slid back and forth uh the reality is you got to get involved now you got to make the calls you got to send the emails otherwise that song i was telling you about red barchetta and the motor law could become a modern day nightmare in other words you don't have the freedom you don't can't get in your car You don't get to go anywhere that you want. Oh, and by the way, if they pass this, they're going to roll out a vehicle miles tax. You know what a vehicle miles tax is? That's where Uncle Sam knows every mile you drive where you drive. It's done one of two ways. They either put a module in your car and they track you. Oh, yeah. Or somehow, maybe they tie it into inspections once a year. You come in, whatever your miles were the years before. Now they know the miles and you pay money on that. Another tax. Can you hear me now? All right, folks, it's time to wrap things up. You've been listening to the Information Edge today as we've been talking cars and climate change. I hope you've enjoyed the topic. I hope it's been informative, educational, and somewhat entertaining to a degree. And I hope you'll be back with me next week when I have another message. And we'll bring it to you once again on the Voice America Radio Network. I'm Darren Yancey. Have a great week. Stay safe.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then.